You're listening to the Philip Robertson Property Podcast. And welcome everyone to this week's podcast of the Philip Robertson Property Podcast. And as always, yes, I'm not in the studio, so if the sound quality isn't as good, my apologies for that. But in the spirit of wanting to bring great quality information and amazing guests, We've got to keep the show rolling on, friends. So down as always in COVID County, as we affectionately know, uh, renamed Melbourne. And uh, we're waiting with bated breast on uh, uh, our friend uh, Daniel Andrews to tell us what's going on with this hotel quarantine situation. A little hint there, friends. I think we'll learn nothing. Anyway, this week's guest, let's get straight into it. He is the director at SJB Quantity Surveyors for the past 10 years. It's a national firm with locations in Melbourne, Sydney, Gold Coast, Adelaide and Darwin. He's also a member of the Australian Institute of Quantity Surveyors, is registered with the Tax Practitioners Board. He's been a quantity surveyor for some 26 plus years, worked for a national quantity surveying firms and Tier 1 and Tier 2 commercial builders. Now in that time he's been involved in all types of construction projects ranging in value from small ones, say $50,000, up to some incredibly large projects worth around $300 million. It's my absolute pleasure to welcome to the Philip Robertson Property Podcast, Steve Blake. G'day Steve, how are you? Good thanks Philip, pleasure to be here. Awesome to have you on board. Steve, as always, keen to dive into this topic and unpack it. I'm always keen to share with our listeners information that educates them around investing in property. And today, well, I don't think it'll be any exception. Steve, depreciation. Tell our audience, what is it for those that are unfamiliar with this term? Well, to put it simply, depreciation is the decrease in value of an item over time. So think of it as the wear and tear that occurs to an item over time. So this, is the redu- this reduction in value is depreciation. Gotcha. Okay, so when it comes to talking about numbers and the possibility of tax deductions, most people would usually go to their accountant, I would have thought, but I've got a feeling you're going to tell me that only certain professionals are able to prepare a depreciation schedule. Who can prepare one, Steve, and also who can't? Well, Phil, preparing the report's the easy part. Working out the construction costs of the building and putting prices against the assets is a little bit harder. So according to the ATO, only a qualified professional quantity surveyor is eligible to provide an accurate estimate of costs for the preparation of a depreciation schedule. So unfortunately for the listeners, this means that accountants, valuers, real estate agents and the like, they're not allowed to prepare depreciation reports. Gotcha. Thank you. And that was important to clarify straight off the bat. So then let's dive a little further in. What is tax depreciation when it comes to an investment property, Steve? Right. So the ATO allows you to claim the loss in value or the wear and tear of an investment property as a tax deduction in the form of a tax depreciation schedule against your taxable income when you lodge your tax return. Right. So... A tax depreciation schedule is simply a document that sets out how much depreciation you can claim on your property every year from when it was first available for rent. This helps you to lower how much tax you need to pay or better still, to increase how much of a tax refund you can claim back. Yeah, I like that. And we all want to be able to play within the rules but maximise or at least optimise our tax uh, deductions or reducing our taxable income. 
I've got a feeling there's probably going to be different types of depreciation, Steve. Can you share something on that one? Yeah, there certainly are. There's two methods that uh, we use to depreciate assets. There's the diminishing value method and the prime cost method. So with the diminishing value method, the items depreciate by a set percentage based on their effective lives, and that percentage is applied to the reduced value of each year after that. I know that sounds difficult, so how about we give you an example? So if you have carpet that is valued at, say, $5,000, under the diminishing value method, it depreciates at 20% per year. So in year one, you can claim $1,000. Then this $1,000 is taken off your original value to give you a second year total of 4000 and then we take 20% of that which is 800 and so on and so on right? gotcha. with the gotcha. pro- with with the prime cost method the items depreciate at a constant rate each year so we'll use carpet as your, our example again so under the prime cost method uh, carpet depreciates at 10% per year or $500 per year for 10 years so as you can tell from the two examples, the diminishing value method has more depreciation in the earlier years than the prime cost method. So the prime cost would be like straight line? Absolutely, yeah, another name for it, straight line method. So how do we know which method to use? Well, that's up to you and your accountant to choose which method you use. And once you start with one method, you can't swap to the other one if you, if you feel like it. So... If you're unsure of which method to use, uh, consider the fact that very few investors actually use the prime cost method, largely because it's slower. Um, Most investors own investment properties for between five and 10 years, so you want to get the most depreciation you can in those earlier years, and that's why I would say probably 99% of uh, residential investors use the diminishing value method for their tax depreciation. And is there a difference between using these methods for a new dwelling versus an older dwelling? A new dwelling versus an older dwelling. Uh, Sorry, no, I, mean, I mean like a new build. The methods are the same. It's just that you get to claim more things with a new build than an old build. For sure. Nice. So, in, in, and one of the things, how are these how are these methods comprised? Okay, so a depreciation schedule is comprised of three sections. So there's three parts to it. So the first part is the plant and equipment. So by plant and equipment, we mean things like the carpet, curtains, blinds, air conditioners, ovens, cooktops, range hoods, all things like that. Right. Um, the second part is what's called the capital works or the building allowance. So this is the structure of the property. So your walls, your roof, your floor, all of those sort of things. And then the third part is where we look at uh, what's called capital improvements or renovations. Mm-hmm. So we can add add value to your depreciation through those. Okay, so how would you go about breaking down the plant and equipment? Okay, so the plant and equipment items are broken down into th- three cost values or categories. So firstly, there's plant and equipment items that are under $300 in value. And with these items, we can write them off in full in the first year. Then we have items that are valued between $300 and $1,000. 
So these items can be put into what's called the low value pool, which allows us to depreciate those items at a faster rate. So which is 18.75% in the first year and then 37.5% in each year after that. But, uh, but that is only available with the diminishing value method. So it's not available with the prime cost method. And lastly, all of the remaining items that are valued over $1,000, they're just written off based on their effective lives that the ATO sets. Okay, brilliant. Steve, can you explain to our listeners what you mean by the capital works or building allowance? So the capital works or the building allowance is the estimated construction cost of the property less the plant and equipment items. So, for example, if a property has an estimated construction cost of, say, $250,000 and we value the plant and equipment items within that property at, say, $30,000, then the remaining $220,000 is what's called the building allowance. So that building allowance depreciates 2.5% for 40 years from the date the property was built. Gotcha. Yep, okay. So I was just going to then segue into how long does a depreciation schedule last for, Steve? Yeah, unfortunately, there's no industry standard or no direction from the ATO as to, as to how long a depreciation schedule can last. Uh, some companies offer 10-year reports some 20-year reports, but the majority of the reports and what you should be looking for as an investor uh, and what we provide um, are 40-year reports. Yep, so typically based, yeah, typically based on the, the life expectancy of the building. Yeah, okay. Steve, the value of a property or the purchase price, after, um, do they affect the tax depreciation? Well, the simple answer is that they don't have anything to do with tax depreciation at all. Tax depreciation is only concerned with the construction cost of the property in the year that it was built. Yep. So it doesn't matter if you paid a million dollars for a property today. Yep. If it was built 30 years ago, uh, we only look at the cost to build that property 30 years ago. Gotcha. What about claiming the full amount of available depreciation in the first year? Do you do that? Uh, unfortunately, you don't. So the first year of depreciation is prorated over the number of days in the year the property was available for lease. So, for example, if your property was available for lease from the 1st of January, uh, which leaves you 181 days remaining in the financial year, then you can claim 185 of 365 days in the first year. Obviously, you cannot claim for the days that you don't actually own the property. So that's why the first year's prorated. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, I would have thought. Now, I reckon, Steve, a lot of people would want to know if a depreciation schedule can be backdated. Uh, yes, we do this all the time. Actually, nearly all schedules are backdated. So because depreciation schedules start from the date the property is first available for lease, and because you don't typically get a schedule done until after you've purchased the property, it uh, stands to reason that the report will be, in fact, backdated. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, legislation. Governments always like to play around with rules and, uh, and uh, 
always want a bit like the AFL into football. They're always trying to muck around with things. So have there been any significant changes to depreciation as a result of uh, legislative uh, change over the last 5, 10, 15, 20 years that, uh, that our audience should know about? Yeah, the biggest change we had, and it affects just about everybody these days, is the um, is in the 2017 budget when the government announced that they will no longer allow you to claim depreciation on previously used or secondhand plant and equipment for residential properties. So um, this rule applies from the 1st of July 2017 and relates to secondhand plant and equipment acquired or purchased after the 9th of May 2017. So simply put, if you purchase an existing property after the 9th of May 2017, you are not allowed to claim the depreciation on the plant and equipment items within the property. So this change also affects properties that are or were previously your principal place of residence uh, if you decide to rent it out after the 1st of July 2017. So if you do that, uh, then it too is classed as a second-hand property and then you also can't claim the depreciation on the plant and equipment items. So the only way you actually can claim depreciation on plant and equipment items for a second-hand property now is if you purchase the items directly yourself for the rental. So these changes only affect existing or second-hand residential properties. They do not affect new residential properties or commercial and industrial properties. Actually, that leads me to a, a question just straight off what you just on the back of that. Can you actually do depreciation schedules for commercial properties? Absolutely. Yeah, we can do commercial properties, industrial properties, motels, hotels, farms, uh, whatever you want done, we can do it. And, and again, that's awesome to know. I would imagine this is a national system that we're talking about legislation. It's not about, it's not a state thing. Would that be right? No, no, absolutely. Yeah, definitely national. So yeah. uh, obviously the federal government brought this rule in. So it applies to everyone exactly the same. So for when people are going off to see their accountant and they've got their box full of receipts, heaven forbid, I'm sure people hopefully don't do that anymore, but what are some of the common things that we can't claim and uh, looking towards our depreciation? Yeah, that's certainly good to know. So because depreciation relates to the actual building, the main things that cannot be claimed are related to the land. So these include the cost of the land, right? any purchasing costs such as legal fees, stamp duties or any other costs associated with the purchase of the property, uh, none of these items can be claimed. Yeah, right, okay. okay. Yep. Yeah. Another, another item that you can't claim is demolition. So um, if you purchase a property and then spend $12,000, $15,000, $20,000 demolishing and building a new property, that cost for the demolition uh, is not included in the calculations for depreciation. So the only other areas that we look at that can't be claimed have to do with landscaping. So with landscaping, we break those up into what's called soft landscaping and hard landscaping. So soft landscaping is things like turf and plants, soil and mulch. So none of the soft landscaping items can be included 
in the depreciation schedule. Yep. So the hard landscaping items are, say, driveways, footpaths, paving, fencing, retaining walls. All of these items can be claimed, but they're included in the building allowance. So they depreciate at that 2.5% for 40 years. So the main reason that soft landscaping items cannot be claimed is because pretty much they can die or they can be washed away. So yep. the ATO doesn't place an effective life on those items. When would you recommend that someone actually engages yourselves to do a, a report? Is it when they first purchase the property or or even if they've had the property for some time? Is that going to make a difference? Because can, yeah, actually no. you, can, you said earlier you can backdate it, so they're not necessarily yeah. going to miss out on uh, legitimate claims. Absolutely. So... If you're purchasing a brand new property, um, we just need to know the settlement date. So if it's a property that will be uh, a rental or investment property right from the start, uh, once we know the settlement date and that's set in stone, then we can prepare the report from that date. So whether we get that information before or after the settlement date uh, doesn't really matter. That's just that's the tipping point for the schedule to start. Yeah. Um, with existing properties, it's pretty much when you decide it's available for lease. Yep. So yep. whether you lived in it as a principal place of residence or whatever, um, once it's available for lease and we know when the, that's going to start, then again, that sets the start date for the report. So that's when you'd be ordering a port, uh, report. Um, a lot of people still don't know about tax depreciation changes. I think the figure's still around 60% of investors don't know of or use depreciation to reduce their taxable income. Um, but so most of those people get told about it, you know, around tax time. So, you know, when you go, when you go and talk to your accountant and say, oh, by the way, I've bought an investment property or I've, uh, I've just started renting out my principal place of residence and I've moved. <laughs> so that triggers, that triggers you to go and talk to a quantity surveyor to get a depreciation schedule done. And leading into that, Steve, for our audience, if they wanted to make contact with yourself and your team, because you are a national firm, what's the best way for them to get in contact with SJB? Yeah, so you could either go to our website, uh, www.sjbqsaustralia.com.au. Yep. Um, on that, you'll have our phone number, so you can either give us a call or there's um, an online uh, request to quote. You can do it from that perspective and then we'll be back to you as quick as possible with a fee proposal and any information that you require. Uh, they're the, the two easiest ways to give us, a, give us a call, yeah. Brilliant, okay. Now, depreciation schedules, are they transferable from one owner to another? Absolutely. Um, a depreciation schedule is something that actually pertains to the property rather than the person who owns the property. So... Sometimes, not very often, but sometimes you might be offered a depreciation report when you purchase a property. So our advice is to just accept it gracefully um, and use it as a guide and then get a new or up-to-date report completed, which um, in the end of the day should actually provide you with more value as far as depreciation is concerned than the report that was given to you from the previous owners. Yep. Okay. Fantastic. Now, what if I renovate my property? 
how will this impact the depreciation schedule and what is claimable? Yeah, so as I mentioned previously, renovations are also called capital improvements and um, absolutely, yes, they are depreciable, right? So if you own a property and renovate it or improve it, that cost can be claimed through depreciation. So what we do is we'll break up the cost of the renovations into plant and equipment and the building allowance or the building component. So we can determine exactly how much depreciation we can get for you. Yep. Steve, as you know, I'm a regional buyer's advocate across Australia. Now, for, for our clients, can you give me some examples when you would recommend doing a depreciation schedule on an established dwelling and some say when it wouldn't, in fact, be worthwhile doing one? Yeah, certainly. So aside from depreciation being all about uh, plant and equipment values and construction costs, for us, a lot of the time, it's all about the dates. Uh, so we have... We have date parameters in this industry that, that tell us what we can and can't do. So um, we've probably we've touched on one of the dates, and that was the law change in 2017. But the first date we look at is the construction date. So the date for this set by the ATO at the moment is the 16th of September 1987. So if your property is built before this date, then there's no building depreciation to be claimed. Okay, so yep. once we've looked at once we've looked at the construction date, then the next date we go and look at is that legislation change date, the 9th of May 2017. So this tells us whether or not you can claim the plant and equipment items within the property. So for a property where there would be no depreciation to claim, it would be built before or pre-1987, so yep. no building depreciation, and purchased after or post the 9th of May 2017 where there is no plant and equipment to claim. So no plant and equipment and no building allowance equals no depreciation. Okay. Makes, it, makes a bit of sense to me. Yeah. So for a property built after the 16th of September 1987, there will be depreciation to be claimed. So it all depends on when it was built as to how much that is. Um, and then obviously we look at the 2017 date again to see whether you can claim or add to that with the plant and equipment items. So for your clients, Phil, there would typically be no plant and equipment items to claim as your properties would all be classed as secondhand. Yep. Okay. Gotcha. So what, yeah, so what we look at, in those instances is uh, the amount of depreciation we can claim or add value to for renovations. So whether those renovations are completed by the owner or um, by the previous owner. So what most people don't know is that they can actually claim renovations completed by previous owners. Right? So in this instance, that's what our quantity surveyors employed for is that we can we can look at the uh, renovations and assess them, um, work out from the materials used when they may have been installed, and then apply a value to those renovations based on that information. So typically, you won't get the cost of the renovations from a previous owner. So you'll have to have someone like us, like a quantity surveyor, go and assess it to to put a value against it. 
That's so, a, I reckon um, that's a ripper, actually. The fact that you've you've bought a property, but you can claim against works done by the previous owner. That's fantastic. That, that to yeah, me, yeah, itself just highlights the value of a quantity surveyor doing the report. I think that's brilliant. Great, great thing. Yeah, I, just, I didn't know that one, that's for sure. No, it's amazing how much value you can find in renovations completed by previous owners where you didn't even think it was actually renovated at all. So uh, it's, a, it's a pretty good one. Yeah, I reckon that's a beauty. So uh, if I were to renovate or a client of ours renovates the property that, that we've bought with them or their property in the future, would the, the, the client have to purchase a new report each time if they're going to do some renos? No, absolutely not. So um, all we require to update a schedule is um, a list of the items included in the renovation. So whether that was painting, floor coverings, um, you know, new kitchen, bathroom renovation, whatever, whatever. Uh, we just ask that you keep a schedule of the items along with the cost and then the date that they were installed or the if you did it as a large renovation, the date the renovations were completed, right? So as long as we don't have to visit the property, there is no additional charge from us to get your reports updated for renovations in the future. Well, there you go, folks. I think there's a good clue and a good reason why you'd want to be doing this. This has been fantastic, Steve. With a report, how long does it in fact take for your team to prepare a report? Yeah, good question. Once So once we've received all the information we need to prepare the report, uh, it takes us about seven to ten working days to finalise it. Um, most of the time we actually complete the reports a lot quicker than that. Uh, but obviously, if it's around tax time, which is our busiest time of year, uh, it might be closer to the 10 days than the seven. Um, and uh, we don't recommend anyone leaving it to the last minute to organise their reports because yep. everyone's busy, accountants and quantity surveyors. Yep. And, and is there a range, and I'm not here really to put you on the spot, but you know what, I'm going to anyway. Steve, Go for it. Yeah, with, with established dwellings, is, is there a typical range of how much, because that's the space that we work in with our clients, how much depreciation uh, is claimable on average? Is, is, there a, is there a range? Like is it, is it $1,000 a year? Is, is it $500 a year? It'd be interesting to have some sort of a, a reference. Yeah, the hardest part with established properties is that the age of the property determines how much depreciation there is. So a property built in 1990, for example, which may have only cost twenty-five dollars to $40,000 to build, um, obviously isn't going to have as much depreciation as a property built in, say, 2010, which may have cost $250,000 to build. Okay, so mm -hmm. um, an easy way to try and work it out is that... Um, we take our estimated construction costs, so whether that's 1990, 2000, 2010, doesn't really matter. Um, and then what we do is we, we sort of take, we take about 10% off for the plant and equipment as a guess, and then that leaves us with the building allowance. And that, that, so that building allowance is your 2.5%. So that allows us to work that out. So unfortunately, I can't say to you that there's a range from $1,000 to, you know, $10,000 because the variance in cost between, say, you know, 1990s to 2010, 2015, whatever, is 
a substantial difference. Absolutely. Uh, I could give you a range for new properties, but unfortunately I can't give you a range for existing properties. Well, well let's talk about new properties. I mean, the theme with Philip Robertson Property Podcast is we're here to educate. And whilst, yes, I work in the area of established properties, I think it's still great information for people because we'll also have clients that possibly are first home buyers uh, or they're going to be investors. And, and I'm also about diversification in your portfolio. So it's not always going to be about established properties. And some people will find that they want to buy a new dwelling. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that, Steve? Give us a, well, I think you'll be a lot more confident to give us some indication <laughs> of the, the sort of dollars that people can um, claim in terms of uh, depreciation on new, new builds. Yeah, absolutely. Let's use that same example we've been running for a while. So a $250,000 house, uh, yep. whether it's a three-bedroom, two-bedroom, four-bedroom, it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, construction cost is $250,000. you would be looking at anywhere between twelve dollars to $15,000 in depreciation in the first full year. Okay, Obviously, that doesn't take into consideration any pro rata you do in the first year, but your first year will be somewhere between twelve dollars to $15,000. Now, if you rent that property out furnished, then you're probably looking at more like seventeen to twenty-two thousand dollars in depreciation in that first year. I mean, that's so a significant st- number. Absolutely, yep, yeah. substantial amount of money. And remember, that comes off your taxable income. I was just you stole thunder there, Steve, and that's the beauty of that, <laughs> isn't it? And that, and I guess that's where accountants in the past, when clients would go and sit down with their accountant and the accountant and say, "Well, you're just paying too much tax. Uh, I think you need to go and do a house and land package," which there is, I, I you know, I can I can support the theory of it, but goodness knows, I I think you, you and I have both been around this uh, space long enough that unfortunately a lot of those places where people went and bought those properties with house and land packages haven't necessarily performed in the manner that they would like in terms of capital growth. Uh, but having said that, I guess it comes back down to what is your motivation. I mean, those they, there's some big numbers when you're talking about yeah. it with a furnished property, Steve. I didn't even yeah. realise that as much as $22,000 in that first year, that's a, that's, a, that's a big whack. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yep. So right now, let, let's, uh, I mean, you, you don't live in COVID County, you're up uh, uh, in, in beautiful uh, uh, New South Wales there and you're, you're not uh, dealing with the restrictions that, that, that we are, uh, but you're also being impacted on what's happening economically as, as we all are. The world is going through a lot of change socially, economically. Do you see anything on the horizon in terms of your industry that our investors should be aware of? Look, I'm not um, I'm not stuck in a in a COVID lockdown, but I am in a border bubble, so uh, a small consolation. But um, so apart from construction material supply shortages, sort of driving building and renovation costs up and causing delays to you know, building programs and stuff, there doesn't appear to be any major legislative changes on the horizon for depreciation. Um, the ATO makes small changes to the list of plant and equipment items every year, but they're never typically significant in any way, shape or form. You know, they might just change the effective life of a product or, um, or bring a new one in that we've been trying to get put in there for, for a few years. Um, the only major uh, future change I see to investment properties 
is if there's a change of government and they do what they did last time and try and abolish negative gearing. Um, I personally don't think this is going to happen, but um, they may look at changes to the tax structures or, um, or something like that, like they did in 2017, which might further reduce the amount of tax deductions we can claim on our investment properties. But um, aside from that, um, I don't see too much uh, major changes in the short term. Yeah, it was interesting, wasn't it? I thought that was a very brave or a silly decision to go to the last federal election and that being part of the platform that they're going to abolish negative gearing. My goodness, I think that would have ended up a, a, an economic uh, bloodbath more so than what, what we're dealing with uh, with the pandemic. So many people have bought properties on the basis of negative gearing. Wow, that would have uh, that was certainly would have rocked us more uh, in light of everything that's uh, that's going on. Uh, I, I well, don't sorry, it's, it certainly would have decimated our industry. Yeah, uh, that's for yeah, sure, without a doubt, without a doubt. The other thing I wanted to ask is: some people, are, and particularly those with established properties, whether they're regional or otherwise, possibly are not going to know whether there is depreciation claimable on their property. So if they were to contact your firm, SJB, uh, is there a cost for them to initially explore with you the possibility of whether you're able to help them or otherwise? Oh, absolutely not. No, no. All all, um, all chats and uh, information provided and estimates of depreciation are all free of charge. Uh, I've, I've sat and talked on the phone for people for 30, 40 minutes going, going over their investment properties. So uh, we have no problem whatsoever. Uh, it's a pretty simple process. I just ask a, a series of questions and uh, hopefully I get provided with the correct answers and then we can let you know from there uh, whether it's worth moving forward and sort of what you could expect uh, from that point. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. And for me, Steve, I see uh, what work your team does as part of our dream team because for me, I'm all about getting the right people in your in your wheelhouse around you that can support people's long-term vision around investing. And that's why I think uh, it was important for me to have you on as a guest today, Steve, to talk about this important topic because I think, quite frankly, most people don't know a lot about depreciation and I think it's just been absolutely splendid to uh, educate our our listeners and by the way you've educated me as well so and I appreciate that and I think it's uh, uh, I'd always encourage people folks to reach out to Steve uh, and his team at SJB Quantity Surveyors and again Steve just one final time can you just give us that website so people can find your team yeah, www.sjbqsaustralia.com.au. Fantastic. Steve, thank you so much for today. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, we've learned some more around this important topic. And again, you are part of what I call the dream team. It's all about getting the right professionals around you. So guys, if you've got any questions, you now know where to go in the relation to depreciation. As Steve correctly pointed out, your accountant cannot uh, prepare that report, uh, but they can certainly put it into the, your uh, tax return, of course. And uh, as always, Steve, thank you. Have an amazing weekend. Really appreciate having you on as a guest on the Philip Robertson Property Podcast. Friends, please like, share and comment about the podcast that we're here to inform and educate. And that's our goal. So, Steve, thanks again. Thanks for having me, Phil. 
absolute pleasure. Folks, be well. Enjoy the weekend. Uh, hopefully, uh, those of you who are in Melbourne, in COVID County, do your very, very best. Do your right, do the things right in terms of keeping your mask on, social distancing, etc. And let's hope that we get some uh, common sense prevails sooner rather than later and we can get out of this and get our economy firing again. Have a great weekend, folks, and bye for now.